0: Hi there. Welcome to another edition of the Making Money Show with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, retired broadcaster. Ron, we've covered a lot of territory here over the past few months. And let's take a look now at at sort of a different aspect of investing. Would you say it's what, the last decade, decade and a half, that we've sort of seen the the upswing on what we call day traders, like people that are doing it themselves, if you will.
1: Yeah. And... These particular types of uh, investors, what they try to do is they try to mimic the big institutions. So just a definition, a retail investor is sort of an ordinary Joe or Jane who likes to buy stocks and bonds with the help of a broker or doing at a discount firm. And especially as people do more and more trading, the trend has been to more and more have been drifting into the discount brokerage direction. And institutional investors, just so we've got our definition straight, are professionals who are like pension funds, mutual funds, hedge funds, high-frequency trading shops, and even the trading desks of big investment firms. In other words, these guys are professionals. And typically what's been happening, as you say, is more and more investors that are retail investors, small people, and that like to trade on their own accounts, are trying to mimic, mimic what the big institutions are doing. They're trying to use the same strategies as the big institutions do. Well, isn't that kind of a mugs
0: game? I mean, just for instance, the technology would be just mind-boggling at those
1: firms, isn't it? Well, the big firms, they tend to have, number one, They have enormous computer databases that give them far more information in a millisecond than, frankly, if I spent from this second to the day I died reading, I wouldn't gather as much information as they can in a couple of seconds. So you can't compete. Also, they have computer algorithms and AI that they're looking for trends in the market. And they can trade markets simultaneously one against the other. So they're, they're buying in New York and they're selling in Japan. They, they have the access with technology to just be way ahead of an individual investor. So from the technology side of it, The average investor, unless you're a multi-billionaire, you cannot accumulate the technology to compete against these guys.
0: And they have teams of professionals. That's what they do. These people punch the clock every morning and they sit down and they do analysis, right? You
1: know, with a typical research firm or a firm that buys and sells stocks, you have financial analysts. You have economists. You have tax specialists. You have computer programs. And you have... PhDs in mathematics. You have this whole deep bench full of these very qualified people. So to think that you can play the same game on the same level as they are, you just can't do that. And of course, they have other advantages that they bring to the table as well. You know, a tax advantage. If I'm a financial institution, and let's say I'm domiciled in Grand Cayman Island where there are no taxes. How do you and I compete against that when we're in the 40% tax bracket or higher? Very difficult for us to do so. Now, we have a few advantages. We can buy things in tax-free savings accounts. We can buy things in RSPs. But still, they have advantages on the tax side that we just can't replicate And, of course, there's the transaction advantage. You know, these guys are buying in millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, sometimes even billions of dollars at a time. And their cost per transaction is in the fractions of a cent. And even if you're a high-volume retail trader, you're paying much, much more than that. So you're going to get beat up on the
0: fees as opposed to what they can do. So now when we look at all of these different advantages, it would appear that the big institutional investors have so many tools that they're just going to
1: bury the little guy. Is that really the case? Well, the thing is, if you're investing, you're not going to be able to do the same things as they are. You know, for example, you can't phone up the CEO of IBM and say you're going to be down in an hour to discuss the stock because you hold maybe $100 million worth of it. So you can't play on the same level as they do. You know, it's like the biblical story of David and Goliath. And of course, Goliath came into the field and he, I think he was about eight or nine feet tall, and he had hundreds of pounds of armor on him. And he had a sword that uh, it took both hands to lift and a huge spear. And of course, David was just a little guy. Some people say maybe half his height. So how are you going to go and fight this guy head on? Are you going to put on armor and a, and a big sword and go in there? Well, the weight advantage and the strength advantage, he's going to crush you. So David took something he knew very well as a shepherd. He took a sling and some rocks. And from what we understand, he was a pretty good marksman. Anyways, he went out there and uh, swung his sling and buried a rock right in Goliath's forehead. And that ended that. So If you're playing in a league where typically the professionals are bigger and more powerful than you are, you need to make sure that you're bringing the tools to battle that you can effectively counteract what they're doing. And what this means, simply, is this means you've got to be doing things a little differently than you would be doing if... You wanted to compete directly with them because you don't have the advantages. You've got to do things a little differently. And on our next two shows, that's what we're going to concentrate on. And we'll take a look at it being a small investor. You have more things going for you than you probably think. Most small investors are going, well, with all these advantages that these big guys have, Why should I even play the game? Maybe I should just go buy GICs or put my money in the bank and just leave it there. Well, you can beat or match the Goliaths of this world, but you have to use different strategies. And if you have a different timeline and you're a buy and hold investor and you're looking at quality, you're bringing to the table something that most of these institutions definitely don't have and it puts you at a big advantage and we're going to be talking about these over the next two shows so is that is part of that patience
0: really oh just yeah
1: yeah part of it is patience and part of it is rather than swinging for the fence just buying the good quality companies fill your portfolio with plotters companies that slowly put one web foot in front of the other and they're able to compound your money over time and if you're able to do that A little more work in the beginning to screen out those kinds of companies that will give you steady, solid rates of return. But over time, if you're willing to do the work and you're doing a lot of it up front once, because, for example, let's say you decide to buy a railroad. Well, you can hold that railroad for a very long time before you have to sell it. So you have to put some research into these things, but you're not having to do it, you know, five times a day or more like many of the. The the traders are doing. They have to. They're turning things over so fast. They need enormous amounts of research to keep up. So there's some front end work you have to do. But if you're willing to do that front end work, uh, you can have very very respectable returns over time.
0: Okay. So we got two more sections of this show to cover, which we'll do over the next couple of episodes of the Making Money Show. But we did have a question that we want to address too, and I think this is a pretty good one, Ron. We had a we had a listener ask, What do you think about Samsung? as an investment. Now, Samsung is a Korean company. What do you think of it as opposed to, say, Apple, which right now is doing most of its work in China, and we've got this trade war that's going on, not only with us in Canada, but also down in the States. And U.S. President Trump has said all kinds of tariffs and all these things in there. So what do you think of that play as opposed to Apple? Well, I think that
1: Samsung has a number of really big hills to climb. First of all, they just announced that their earnings were down over 50%. Ooh. And that's, da- that's for a lot of reasons. Most people, when they think of Samsung, they think of cell phones and they think of televisions yeah, because they're number one, I think, in both of those. If you look at their earnings though, you get a little different story because 75% of their earnings come from making computer chips. Okay, And typically, they've had a number of issues which have hurt them, and I don't know how long that is going to last. The first one is Korea has a tiff with Japan right now because of Japan's occupation of Korea, the way they treated people, the way they put them in concentration camps. They're looking for financial retribution a restitution for these people, and Japan's not willing to give it to them. So Japan, tit for tat, is saying, well, there's some critical parts that you need for your, your chips, and for your phones, and for your televisions, and we might just be holding back on some of that. And of course, you have President Trump, and the trade war with China, and saying to companies like Huawei, well, we don't want your products in our countries because you're using them to spy on us. And, of course, President Trump has put tariffs on anybody that sells critical components to the Chinese. And, of course, companies like Samsung do, especially the chips. And so here again, they're afraid to sell to the Chinese because the U.S. is still such a big market for them. So you have the brakes put on there. Then you just have cell phone sales themselves if you've been to the store recently looking at replacing your old cell phone with a new one well, the options are just the sky's the limit it seems yeah and if, have you seen the prices oh i know they're ridiculously high i think yeah yeah i mean you're looking at cell phones now to get a full load cell phone especially with the new ones coming out with the 5g here over the next year or so that these things are now selling between 1500 and two grand And so finally, you're starting to get some consumer pushback. People are saying, it's a threshold here, right? Oh, totally. I mean, uh, especially uh, companies uh, like Samsung and Apple, which really the profitability is in the high-end phones. And you go to places like India, Indonesia, China, where they're just starting to develop their mass market. And you're trying to push these expensive phones on the population. And the population is finally, even in North America, pushing back and saying, no, we we just can't afford that. Or we're going to upgrade instead of every year, we're going to upgrade every four or five years. So we'll buy a more expensive phone, but we're going to hang on to it for a lot longer. And so cell phone sales have been falling. And of course, Samsung which provides the chips and the diodes for a lot of these phones is hurting as well. So I don't think you have to be in any hurry to buy Samsung. It's very, very reasonably priced, but because the stock has so many difficulties and this trade war could go on for a while, I think that Samsung is a high quality company, but I don't think you have to be in any hurry to jump on board. And what
0: what is going to happen to Apple in that war? What do you think the outcome of that's going to be for them? Because they, they build basically
1: all their products in China, if I'm not mistaken. Well, from some of the press releases that I've seen recently is that over time, they want to transition some of their production... Back to to the States? Yeah, back to the States, to Vietnam, to India, to Indonesia, to lower-cost countries, uh, Cambodia. And frankly, I don't think that it's just Apple that is doing that. I think all of a sudden CEOs have come to realize that, hey, you have a big country in China that... Frankly, the, U- the U.S. for since World War II has just been used to getting its own way. And that isn't going to happen anymore. Trump can push as far as he wants or as hard as he wants, but he's not going to get compliance by snapping his finger. And so... They're too big an economy now. Oh, yeah. And too much power, yeah. Yeah, so you realize very quickly that if you concentrate all your manufacturing in two countries that this might trade war... It might cool off and heat up and cool off and heat up. But because China is developing more high end stuff, trade disputes, the copyright disputes aren't going to go away. And so these companies are realizing that, hey, we need to diversify our manufacturing base and our supply base so that if the United States or China have a tiff with one another, that we can get supplies from other places and it's not going to disrupt our global supply chain.
0: Fascinating stuff. So there's hopefully an answer to your question about Samsung and what you think you might be doing with that in the future. As you say, it's very attractively priced, but there's some challenges for the stock right now.
1: Yeah, it's one of those companies that uh, it's cheap, but it's cheap for a reason. And you want to, like walking in a dark tunnel. Yeah. You want to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel before you jump in.
0: All right, there you go. If you do have a question, remember you can reach us. Uh, all you have to do is go through the CFCW website and we'll happy, happily uh, answer those questions in upcoming episodes. So, back with another installment of Making Money with the Financial Coach, Ron Hebert, as we delve a little more deeply into how you can compete as an individual investor with the big institutions. On behalf of Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for listening. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.